Well, I've been asked to uh, introduce uh, the workshop topic of the daily offices. Now, um, if you are a modern evangelical of any type, they may not be terribly familiar to you. Uh, but hopefully by the end of this introduction to this uh, workshop, you'll be a little bit more familiar with what they are and how useful uh, they can be. I'm going to give 10 or 15 minutes introduction and then there will be discussion online afterwards. So before we get going, let's just bow our heads to pray. God our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of praying to you, of reading your word, and of worshipping you. Help us in this time to be able to think clearly about how we might uh, use the daily offices in our own Christian walk. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to try to be a little bit provocative during this introduction in order to get things going. Hopefully I'll leave just a few little hooks that you can pick up on uh, or um, some little bit of issues and questions that you might like to discuss uh, together afterwards. So, as we approach the question of the daily offices, I want to ask the four classic questions. Why, what, which and how? Why, what, which and how? First, why? Why should we be bothered with the daily offices? Uh, aren't they just something that are an anachronism? They're stuck in the past and they have no relevance to me today. Well, I would draw your attention if you are an Anglican to Canon B11. I'm sure you're all very familiar with all the canons. B11 says this. Morning and evening prayer should be said or sung in at least one church in each benefice or where benefices are held in plurality in at least one church in at least one of those benefices at least on all Sundays and other principal feast days and also on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Each service shall be said or sung distinctly, reverently, and in an audible voice. And then it goes on. On all other days, the minister who has the cure of souls, together with other ministers licensed to serve in the benefice, or one or more of the benefices, shall make such provision for morning and evening prayer to be said or sung, either in at least one of the churches in the benefice or at least one of the churches in at least one of the benefices. And then uh, it goes on a little later on. Public notice shall be given by tolling the bell or other appropriate means of the time and place where the prayers are to be said or sung. Now, that means, according to canon law, that those of us who are in parochial ministry have a duty, if we're to obey canon law, to say morning and evening prayer or to ensure that it is said every day. Now, that is a great discipline, isn't it? 
Traditionally, as, as evangelicals, many of us have said, well, yes, of course, I have my quiet time in the morning. That can count as morning prayer. And sure, I pray in the evening, perhaps before I go to bed. That can count as evening prayer. And so I am fulfilling canon law. But there's much more to saying the daily offices as we have been given them. It's a good discipline. And one of the great things about the daily offices is this. We are praying and reading along with others in the church and a good many others across the world. That is uh, the, the why. Why we should say the daily office. It's not just because we have to by canon law. It's because there's real benefit in it. So then what are the daily offices and how have we ar arrived with them? Well, since the earliest days of the church, daily offices have been said or, or sung and times have been set aside for prayer and for Bible reading. As far back as we can go, even to Jesus himself, we know he got up early a great while before day and spent time praying. So the daily offices have been part of Christian life from the very beginning of the church. Now, they've not always been that great. And uh, over periods of the church, the number of daily offices has changed somewhat. We're used to two. But by the time of the medieval church, there were as many as nine offices. And if you want to know what they were, you can look them up on the internet. But they started at two o'clock in the morning with the vigil, and they ended at bedtime with Compline. Nine offices. Around that time, the rule of St. Benedict, that is the Benedictines, on biblical grounds, reduced the nine to seven, based on Psalm 119, verse 164, which says this, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. And so they had seven offices. Now, at the Reformation, Cranmer, rather thoughtfully, I think, reduced the number of daily offices down to two. Morning prayer and evening prayer. He reduced the number of offices down, but he massively increased the amount of scripture reading with the new lectionary that he produced for the Book of Common Prayer. Just in case you're not aware of this, if you follow the Book of Common Prayer lectionary, you will read every year the Old Testament once every year. You'll read the New Testament twice every year and you will read the Psalms every month. So that's 12 times a year. Now we think of ourselves as Bible-based Christians but how many of us read that much scripture every day? If you say morning and evening prayer from the Book of Common Prayer using the BCP lectionary that's what you'll be doing. Now in the year 2000 common worship came in and uh, common worship increased the number of daily offices to three by adding Compline back in. That's night prayers. 
uh, take it or leave it. Uh, some people find that helpful. Uh, not everybody does. But the sad thing about the AS, the, the um, uh, common worship, is that it reduces the amount of scripture reading by adopting what's called the revised common lectionary. We'll think about that uh, later on. But that is a lectionary that f goes across lots of churches. And that takes you through more or less the whole Bible over a three-year cycle. So you're reading a third of the Bible each year. So uh, substantially less than Cranmer uh, set for us to read. There are other pretty major differences between the BCP and common worship morning and evening prayer. I would recommend, in fact I would ask you, to get the two of them out together. Uh, you should have uh, a common book of common worship. You should have a book of common prayer. If you don't have a book of common prayer, get one. Uh, buy one. You can get them on Amazon. Buy one. Very important. Compare morning and evening prayer just to see what the differences are. Now, you might like to think about some of those differences in the discussion after this introduction. The BCP is more prescriptive than common worship, which is why a lot of people don't like it so much. Common worship allows much more flexibility and space to put in the things we want and to leave out the things we don't want. So that is the why, that is the what, what about the which? Well, I've mentioned BCP and common worship, but there are so many options today for the daily offices. In the Church of England, I'm sure you know, the Book of Common Prayer is still the baseline. Common worship is almost universal across the Church of England now, and there are a good many Anglicans that wouldn't know one end of a BCP from the other. I believe it's very important that we hang on to the BCP. Even if we don't use it, it's important that we know it, but that's another issue. BCP or common worship are the two main choices you have. But there are others. Of course, if you want to follow canon law and use only what canon recommends, they are your two choices. But from across history and across time, across the world, there are many versions of the offices to consider and to look at. It's worth uh, recommending the English Prayer Book, which is available on the Church Society website. You know, that wonderful organisation that organises this fantastic conference. It was produced as a kind of candidate uh, to become uh, a standard worship book and was never accepted in the church, has gone out of print, sadly. If you ever see a print copy to buy, snap it up, because there are precious few around, and it is a really good prayer book. If you're interested in church history and the development of liturgy, do check out the 1549 and the 1552 prayer books of Cranmer. They are easily available. There is, too, the ASB, which was the uh, the service book when I was training for ministry. Uh, it was produced in 1980. It's now obsolete, having been replaced by common worship. But I'm sure there are plenty of copies of that around and worth having a look at.
others which I've looked at that are, are worth checking out are uh, the 2005 Irish Book of Common Prayer, uh, the Prayer Book of the Church of England in South Africa from 1992. Uh, check out the Tech BCP, that's the Episcopal Church in America. Check them, their prayer book from 2016. And uh, ACNA, that is uh, the Orthodox Church, the Orthodox um, Anglican Church in North America, um, produced their own Book of Common Prayer in 2019, and that's worth looking at as well. And I'm sure you'll find many others. It's interesting to see how liturgy has changed, to take a look at different things, to see what some groups consider important and what they consider not important, and so they can leave out. That's not really the subject of this uh, workshop, but it is very interesting and an interesting uh, uh, thing to do, to go and check out the different liturgies available. The thing to say about Bible reading is that most people within the uh, offices these days use the revised common lectionary. I mentioned it early on. It's used by a number of churches across the world and it gets through the Bible in three years. There are three years, uh, year A, B and C. Uh, you're familiar with all of that. Um, it's almost universally used and you will find that there are some people that will use the Book of Common Prayer with the revised common lectionary readings because the amount of reading in the BCP is simply too much for them. So, uh, uh, why, uh, what, which, and here we come to the last question, how? How do we use the daily office? Well, the first thing I want to say, after all we've been talking about, we need to remember first and foremost that the daily office is not an academic exercise. It's an exercise in worship. We want to worship God. We want to hear his word. And we want to pray. And the framework of morning and evening prayer, particularly morning prayer, I find for me, uh, can be incredibly helpful to keep that discipline going. It provides a framework of uh, prayers and psalms into which we can slot the things that we want to slot in in any particular day, uh, in our intercessions particularly. So uh, it's a time of worship of God. So it's important that we allow enough time. Don't ever get to the situation where we're just saying the words and whizzing through them as quickly as we can so that we can get it over with. Allow enough time and space away from distractions. If you feel it will help you to say that, that the office in a, in a church building, all the better. That is, is great. So allow enough time and space, time to meditate on the scriptures and space uh, to pray. You can say the liturgy on your own. It's a bit difficult to do responses on your own, but you have to find creative ways of doing that. But you can do it on your own. Alternatively, you can do uh, morning, evening prayer with family members. It's a great way to teach your children Christian discipline in worship. 
that we worship God at these set times. We don't worship only when we feel like it. We worship at these times because it's important. It also is an opportunity to teach some of the important set uh, prayers and pieces of liturgy to our children. Some of the morning prayer and evening prayer contain the, uh, the creed, the Apostles' Creed. Great opportunity to teach the creed to your children. They all contain the Lord's Prayer. A great opportunity to teach your children the Lord's Prayer. If you use the right uh, liturgy, there's times of confession in there that are very important. So it can be a really helpful time for families. You can say it in your church building, as I mentioned earlier, as per Canon B11. Uh, toll the bell if you want to. Uh, advertise that you're doing it. And if you tell people you're going to say morning and evening prayer in the church building, people will come. They will join you. I don't care how much you think your church is uh, uh, ahead, you know, um, has gone past the um, the offices, doesn't use them, doesn't know anything about them. I don't care how much you think they've done that. If you say I'm going to say morning prayer in the church building, you will get people. It may not be a flood, but there will be some who will come and will appreciate it. I know it because I've done it. Now, in these days of COVID-19, we've had to reinvent a lot of stuff. And I have found particular benefit in streaming morning prayer every morning. <clears throat> it's such a helpful thing when uh, the days uh, are long and you, we weren't able to go out and days lacked structure. Such a helpful thing to have morning prayer at the beginning. And um, I have had a lot of people commenting to me about how helpful they have found morning prayer streamed over, over YouTube. If you want to join me, you're very welcome. Eight o'clock uh, every morning. Well, now it's every weekday morning, eight o'clock on the St. Bottles uh, YouTube channel. It's uh, just uh, St. Bots YouTube channel. Um, or you can find it from our blog site, which is blog.stbots.church. It's been hugely beneficial. I can't emphasise enough how helpful I have found that and how helpful others have found it too. So, we've uh, answered our four questions and hopefully there's some things for you there to discuss. But let me pose some other questions that you might like to consider before we finish. First question is this. Does familiarity with liturgy make worshipping God more or less difficult? Second question is this. What is the value of reading the same Bible passages and praying the same collects along with the rest of God's church. And a third question to think about. Is praying set prayers really praying? Shouldn't prayer be extemporary from the heart? 
three questions along with some others that you may pick up on from what we've been thinking about. Enjoy the discussion. It's a great subject and uh, something that we need to uh, reclaim in the evangelical world. Thank you so much for watching and listening.